Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Tulum, Mexico with my good friend Cortina Julia of FitLifeCreation.com. She's a global traveler that loves to experience new cities and far-off places. Katrina lived in Tulum for three months and loved the food, people, and the history of the city. In this episode, Katrina and I talk about swimming in cenotes, exploring the Cobal ruins, and eating delicious food at the taco stands. Hear about these three amazing experiences, plus a bunch more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Tulum. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, a quick spin in the washing machine, and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash bluffworks for a special offer and select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, Katrina, welcome to the show. Hi, Lee. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So today we're talking about Tulum, Mexico. And I know it's just a wonderful, magical place from all the pictures I see on Instagram and everything, but you actually spent a few months there. So can't wait to hear about all your tips. Absolutely. I, it was completely a surprise for me to spend the over three months that I did myself. So I definitely have a lot of insider information. So I, I know you travel the world and, and I totally admire that lifestyle, but like, what brought you to Tulum? So actually with the lifestyle, Lee, I imagined this years ago, but I thought it was going to be the end of next year. Never imagined it would be in the middle of a pandemic. And Mexico was on my list. And so was Tulum. Like you just talked about in the intro, a lot of what brought me to Tulum was a lot of what I saw on Instagram, you know, people blogging about people sharing because I had been to Mexico before, you know, three, four times before I ended up going to Tulum and several other parts recently. And it just seemed I didn't want to stay in the city, like directly in Tulum for several reasons that I can definitely talk about things I don't like about Tulum. But I did want to have, you know, the magical experience. I did want to experience the jungle. And after being in several countries before May, I definitely wanted some downtime. So Tulum seemed like the perfect place to do that and to have some stability for several months. And it definitely exceeded every expectation from several different directions. Oh, that sounds amazing. Because I know a lot of people think when they think of Mexico, especially here in the in the States, it's, oh, they're going to Cabo, they're going to Cancun, you know, all the different like fun, like party destinations and everything like that. But I think there's so much more to Mexico than just those touristy destinations. And I think Tulum really kind of personifies that. Oh, absolutely. But also Tulum has drastically changed, you know, from the fishing village that it was, say, 20, you know, 30 years ago. And like you said, there's so much more than meets the eye with Mexico, you know, whether it's Tulum, whether it's Bacalar, you know, there's so many places I haven't visited yet, like Oaxaca, Guanajuato, San Miguel de Allende. So there definitely has, you know, Mexico has a lot of hidden gems. For sure. And actually, I have episodes on San Miguel and Guanajuato, so you can definitely check those out. Oh, that's awesome. I will definitely do that. Yeah. I listened to like some of your others and different things and just super grateful again to be here through Travel Massive, but I haven't listened to those specifically. Right on. Okay. So if you had to describe uh, Tulum in just a couple words, how would you do that? So if I was describing Tulum in a few words, it would be surprising, hidden in some aspects, 
over embellished in other aspects and undiscovered, meaning there's hidden places in Tulum that people have not yet talked a lot about on blogs, on Instagram or nearby that is still just like any travel destination in the world. Like don't always do what everyone else does. Like let yourself discover things that are, that speak to your soul and that are pertinent to you or even experiencing Tulum in a different way. Because even like my stay, I didn't do your typical Tulum stay at all. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cause I, the way I always kind of encourage people to travel is maybe take part of your vacation and hit up some of like the touristy, like the, the things everybody knows from those cities, but the rest of it, you need to kind of explore and go beyond just the top 10 on, on Google or whatever. So obviously, you know, Mexico has you know, pretty tremendous weather throughout the year. What was the weather like when you visited and are there certain types of festivals or something like that throughout the year that maybe people want to plan their trip around? So the weather is in a word, actually two words, hot, humid. (laughs) (laughs) And this coming from a girl that grew up in Houston, Texas. So I am definitely used to hot and humid. And also beyond that, I had more mosquitoes bite me in Tulum than probably the last seven countries combined. Oh, no. So those are some things (laughs) to think about Tulum. I was typically inside. I stayed in a Mayan jungle cabana about three miles outside of town. And I was typically already indoors before 6, 7 p.m. because I knew the feast would begin, so to speak. (laughs) But that's also some of the reasons why I love like cenotes that are, you know, there's over 6,000 cenotes or sinkholes. In the Yucatan, I mean, you could spend, you could go to one every single day for, you know, 20 years and not hit all of them. But those are some things to think about, you know, when you're visiting Tulum, because I, I'm also not a sweater, but I definitely sweat all the time, whether I was walking around, you know, in the Pueblo, you know, because Tulum's pretty much divided into three different parts. So whether I was walking around in the Pueblo or on the main street going towards the beach or even at the beach, which by the way, you're talking about festivals and things to keep in mind when you travel. I never imagined when I was going to go to Tulum, Lee, that I would not spend that much time at the beach because the seaweed would be out in full force. Oh, sure. The entire three months I was there. So thankfully, you know, there's other alternatives like cenotes, but that's something to keep an eye out as far as weather-wise, like when the sargasso or seaweed is known to come so that you come during a different time if you can, but if not, no, there's alternatives. And then there's also different festivals and different events. You know, Tulum in Mexico in general is heavily influenced by the Mayan and the indigenous. So there's always all kinds of different festivals. And they even had a festival on uh, South Beach Tulum because it's divided into North Beach and South Beach towards the end of last year, I think in November, December. And it's a typical annual festival. So definitely check that out if that's something that piques your interest as well. Oh, nice. Uh, Let's talk about how we actually got to Tulum, because I know that uh, Tulum right now doesn't actually have their own airport. And so did you fly into Cancun or or where did you fly into to be able to get there? So to your point, actually, Lee, fun fact, and you probably know this from your previous episodes, that they are planning to do an airport and then the train in the Yucatan. So that may change, you know, sooner than rather than later. But for me, I flew, actually, I was in Guatemala at the time before Mexico. And I flew from Guatemala City into, yes, Cancun. 
And the Addo buses are usually, they're super clean, super affordable in Mexico, air conditioned. I was super impressed by their buses. And from the airport, they do have a direct bus to Tulum, but it does not go as frequently, of course, as to Cancun or Playa del Carmen. So with the time I landed, I ended up on my way to Tulum taking a shuttle to like a small little shuttle to Playa del Carmen. And then I hopped on a colectivo for about $3 to go the rest of the way. So that's a cheap alternative way to travel within Mexico. I took tons of colectivos. So for the, for the listeners that are not that familiar with that term, what is a colectivo? So a colectivo is basically, it's very common all around Central America, but especially even more so in Mexico, that it's typically a small van. Some of them have air conditioning, but a lot of them don't. And sometimes they have like the more comfortable seating, like what you would expect to see, you know, in a small little van or shuttle that's going in between cities. But some of them literally only have like two or three benches and that's it. And you pay for the entire route, no matter where you're getting off. So for example, from Playa del Carmen, towards Tulum, it's 50 pesos. So even if somebody's getting off sooner, they're still going to pay 50 pesos, which is about 2 to $3, depending on the exchange rate. So that's a great question. And I took them, you know, between Tulum and all kinds of different destinations like Grand Sinonte and always felt safe, you know, never, ever felt unsafe. Although oftentimes I was the only foreigner taking them. So I'm definitely one of those more adventurous and I like to experience, you know, travel like a local. And so that's how I came into Tulum. But on the way back, I was able to take an auto bus straight from Tulum to Cancun Airport for about $15. Oh, nice. That's pretty awesome. All right. So like we, we landed in Cancun. We, we took the bus down there. Now we're in Tulum. From there, where should we look at as far as like hotels or, or Airbnbs or those type of things? Are there certain parts of the city we should focus in or versus parts of the city that we maybe don't want to stay in? That's a super great question because it's the exact same question I was asking myself going in, Lee, because I knew, like, for example, I knew I am not that traveler anymore, whereas maybe 10 years ago I would have been that, ooh, let me stay on South Beach. I want to be in the scene. I want to be in the middle of the beach clubs, you know, all the things. But now I crave peace and quiet. You know, I love to me the sound of music is, you know, the sound of the waves at the ocean. And so for me, I did not want to particularly stay on South Beach. And I also knew that, you know, there the prices are typically much more because it is a hyper tourist zone. I also knew, so for example, if someone wants a budgeted stay, but doesn't mind noise, maybe you want to stay in Pueblo because you can find, you know, in the main basically area of Tulum, like where the Adao bus station is and around there. But I also knew like, I don't want to stay directly in the city because I don't want to hear all the noise. I don't want to hear the motorcycles, all that. So when I was looking at Airbnbs on purpose, I was looking like, okay, within two to three miles of town, easily accessible, you know, either via bike or via a colectivo again, and a stay that's going to give me a significant discount on a monthly stay. And the place that I found, it was literally like a kiss or a gift from heaven. The owner, the place, all the cabanas next to, like it won't, like I ended up spending about $20 a night, which is unheard of in Tulum, for a cabana that is less than a year to two years old. And the owner is so amazing. And the other cabanas around, you know, and this was for a long-term stay, like it's around the same. It's like $40, $50 a night. But if you're doing a long-term stay, there's a significant discount. 
discount. I had a kitchen, full bathroom, air condition, you know, Wi-Fi that worked great 90%, you know, to 95% of the time. And a huge patio, literally, that I sat at, you know, pretty much every single day. And it was private and a gated community. That sounds amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's why I stayed there three months. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What was the name of that one? So it's a Mayan jungle cabana on Airbnb. And the owner is Diana Valencia. And within the community that doesn't have, the community doesn't have a specific name, although it is gated because all the owners are different. There are, you know, there is one owner say that owns, you know, like two cabanas and there's 11 cabanas now, but they have more in process. So I guess that's why they didn't name it. I don't know. Maybe it'll be named in the future, but literally if you're driving by the closest landmark is Cenote Cristal and Escondido, which is about a kilometer down the road or Kamloom Lagoon, which is about maybe four or five, maybe even seven kilometers or five miles down the road in the opposite way. We'll include links to that, that Airbnb in case anybody wants to be able to stay there. So like you kind of mentioned, alluded to a little bit there, you uh, obviously a, a single female traveler. How did it work as far as like safety? Were most of the people there, you know, did they speak English? Because obviously you kind of stayed away from like the touristy zones where were they speaking English or did you or do you know Spanish? Kind of how did that work? So one on safety, I'll kind of slice and dice that question on safety. I am a huge believer of being aware, you know, what happens in any city and country, but at the same time, not living my life in fear, but at the same time, being very wise, trying to be wise. Obviously, we're all human, meaning I years ago, you know, maybe I would do the crazy things of being somewhere alone at like two o'clock in the morning and then wondering like, okay, clearly angels are, you know, I was protected (laughs) because I did some stupid things. Whereas, you know, now I... For example, like I said, I was, I'm typically, you know, I was typically in the house by six, seven o'clock at night. You know, I pay attention to my surroundings. If it's some sort of tour or experience that's recommended that a single female doesn't do alone, you know, for example, a hike in the woods somewhere, then I'm typically going to go with the tour guide. You know, so I'm mindful of the hour of certain things. I keep in mind, you know, what type of experience I'm doing. For example, a cenote, I go, you know, went by myself all the time. Uh, you know, different things I did by myself. Like I went to Koba ruins outside of Tulum on a bus and then the cenotes and bike to them on my own. Um, but I, and then I mentioned the colectivos that I took on my own all the time or biking in and around Tulum, you know, and I never felt unsafe. I never felt threatened. I never felt like, you know, any kind of situation that was sketchy, you know, and I was all around Tulum. I mean, I was in North Beach by the ruins and by the beach there, up and down South Beach, which obviously is more touristy. I did a ton in the Pueblo as far as, you know, grocery shopping, again, going on colectivos, going in a different direction towards Playa del Carmen, going to the airport. I even went on a two-day trip to Mexico City to sort things with my computer. You know, there was never times during my three months that I can I can truly say that I ever felt unsafe. And then as far as the second part of the question that you asked was speaking Spanish. So, yes, I am very fluent in Spanish. I started learning when I was 12 in middle school and high school. I took Spanish up to level three. It was my minor in college and wrote papers. I, you know, worked at a credit union where I spoke and did loans and new accounts in Spanish in grad school and undergrad. You know, some days where I spoke more Spanish than English (laughs) living in, you know, in Houston, Texas. And then when I moved to Atlanta, I still made it a point that I was like, okay, 
I want to go visit a Latin speaking country at least once a year to keep up my Spanish and, you know, host some of my retreats in Spanish speaking countries for that reason. And then when I made the decision to leave the U.S. the end of last year for seven continents and start traveling for several reasons, I chose to do Central America and South America first. I said, well, it's closer. It's easier for me to get to now with, you know, different things going on in the world. And guess what? I get to practice my Spanish on steroids. And so literally this yearly, I can say I've spoken Spanish more than I've spoken English. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And to your point, people ask me all the time, like they look at me and they're like, okay, you look kind of Caucasian, but then you don't because I'm Polish and Bulgarian. And they'll tell me, like locals tell me all the time. So I'm super grateful. They're like, wow, your Spanish is so good. You're so fluent. And even if you don't know something, like you describe it or you find like a close word. So no, it's been amazing and such a blessing in so many ways. And so to your point at the cabana, Diana, she lives in a town in Mexico, closer to Mexico City, but she's super fluent in English, the owner. Her parents actually, um, she also goes back and forth to Chicago sometimes. And so she learned English early on. And then some of the like maintenance guys that actually work at the property, you know, also speak a little bit of English, but if not, Diana's there to translate to. I mean, she's not there physically, but she's there in the sense of being on WhatsApp or whatnot. And actually, fun fact, I got to meet her in person too, twice. So that's a whole nother story. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I think I think the most important thing is that I know a lot of Americans are afraid of, of traveling if they don't know the local language, right? I think a lot of people, especially nowadays, they already know English or they know at least some words in English. As long as you make a little bit of an effort to learn a few words in the local language, you're going to be fine in most places. And now with tools like Rosetta Stone or different apps, like you can learn the basic words. And you guys, I learned that as a child. If you learn the basic words in any language, like I went to Egypt, you know, years ago, it goes such a long way because you're making some sort of an effort. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Okay. So let's talk about some of the different attractions. We, we kind of mentioned South Beach with like the, the kind of the touristy like uh, beach area, if somebody's interested in that. North Beach, you mentioned like some ruins. What do you think about the the ruins there? Is that something that's worthwhile to, to visit? So actually, funny story, I really wanted to visit Tulum Ruins, but I ended up not going because the whole time the seaweed was so horrible and I didn't want that to be my first impression of the ruins. So I was like, and the beach was closed several times because of like every time I checked because of COVID or because of cleanup. So I just took it as, you know what? It's a sign for me not to go here now. And as I was reading and digging into blogs and episodes and, you know, things like that, I was like, you know what? Let me go to the Koba ruins, which I can bike through, which is a super cool experience. And let me go to those cenotes nearby and let me leave the Tulum ruins for another time. So as far as what I've seen the pictures in the past with, you know, influencers and entrepreneurs like Christina Galvado or Christine with the at Tour de Lust, it looks amazing. And that's what I wanted to experience. And when, you know, wasn't going to happen this time, I said, well, I'm going to opt for Coba instead. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. From what I understand, like the seaweed period of time is generally like the, like the May, June, July, from what I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually it had started earlier because it was already there like a couple of months before. And when I was leaving the end of July, it was still like everywhere and rampant. And I think, you know, the thing to point out too, and many people have felt this all around the world right now, the weather has changed in many ways because of, you know, last year's decrease in travel and so many things. 
Oh no, that's absolutely true. Okay, so is there anything else kind of on the the kind of the must do list from your experience there in Tulum that people should do when they visit? Absolutely. So the number one thing that stands out for me is biking in Tulum is a must. It's absolutely a must just to get around. The taxis are astronomically expensive. There's no Uber and then it's great for your health. And then also there's, I mentioned cenotes earlier, there's over 6,000 cenotes and there's many that are in or near Tulum, which are all kinds of different sunk holes that are basically underground, partially underground and above ground or fully above ground that are absolutely magical. And then of course, some favorite foodie places, but I know we're going to talk about that, Lee. For sure. From all the different cenotes that you visited, did one stand out more than any of the others? So one is Kamloom Lagoon because of the coloring of the water and the huge dark blue cenote in the middle that's over 200 feet was amazing. That one stood out. And then the ones near Koba, there's three of them that are amazing. And then I also want to mention two more places. So many people have probably seen, you know, on Instagram, of course, Ven Alalus and the statue by Daniel Hopper and the Asolik tour is an absolute must. And the Tulum Jungle Gym, which is a gym made out of wood and bamboo and stone. It's literally, it's like you feel like you've stepped into a Flintstones episode. (laughs) That's awesome. That's pretty amazing. All right. So we talked a little bit about food. We alluded to that earlier. What are some of your favorite places to eat while they're visiting in Tulum? Absolutely. So the number one place I would say is Rincón Champaneco that is in the center of town, steps away from the Adeo bus station. It is 100% a local place. And I wouldn't even have known about it if Diana, the owner of my Airbnb that I stayed at, she came into town with her boyfriend and we went to Casa Cenote, another amazing cenote. And then she recommended this place to go eat. It's inexpensive, tastes amazing. You get a liter of juice for about a dollar. Their ceviche is amazing. Their tacos are amazing. And they're open, I think, pretty much every day except for Sunday from what I remember. That was one of my favorites. Of course, Tulum has tons of taco stands that you can, you know, go to. Burrito Amor. And another one of my faves was Eat at Leafs. They have some of the best cinnamon-y coffee I've ever had in my life. And vegan tacos, too, that are absolutely delicious. That's really amazing. <laughs> I go, my wife's all about the ceviche and everything like that. So Yes, I um, love ceviche. Ceviche and coconuts for me is like is heavy. <laughs> nice. I'm more of a carnivore. I'm all about the, the, the chicken and the steak and the carnitas so you and everything else. So want the chicharrones, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Katrina, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for Tulum. I thought it was magical before, but now I know it's even more so than what I originally imagined. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Tulum, where should they go and what should they eat? First I said it was one, but now I'm feeling like it's a tie, Lee. So either it's a Rincon Champaneco, and it depends where you are. So either it's Rincon Champaneco, the place that I just mentioned, or it's Rolf right next to the Ven Alalu statue. And I love their chia pudding and chai. And you can stop by there after a, the beach visit or after a gym visit. So it depends on where you're at in Tulum before you leave. Right on. What, what's a chia pudding? Chia with like the chia seeds. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Your wife would probably love it. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And then at Rincon Champaneco, what should we get there? 
Oh, wow. Either one of their like typical breakfast or ceviche if you're feeling like seafood or tacos. You really can't go wrong with any tacos anywhere in Tulum. That sounds good. We're going to have to try it all. Like you said, you spent three uh, amazing months there, but what is one of your favorite memories when you were in uh, Tulum? Wow, so many. From a food aspect, one of my favorites is being at Eat at Leafs and drinking the cinnamon coffee. From a visual aspect, it's the Azulik Museum because it's just so amazing. The sustainability, the views as you're walking through, you feel like in a movie. Or I also love the beaches. And I know I talked about cenotes quite a bit and they were all incredible. But maybe to switch gears from an activity standpoint or maybe like a relaxing standpoint, maybe Infinity Pool at the Aloft Hotel, which you can visit. Oh, so you can get like a, like a day pass? You don't even need a day pass. That's the other beautiful thing about it. I found, you know, places in Tulum that you don't even need day passes that have pools. Like, for example, as of, you know, when I visited, Kabloom Tulum, which is a hotel, a pool, and a spot that you can co-work at, as long as you order any type of, like, you know, drink or beverage or food, and they have amazing ceviche, you can stay there all day. And at Aloft Tulum, it's the same thing. As of like when I visited in, you know, May, June and July, all the way till the end of July, as long as you ordered any kind of beverage, because I visited a couple times and our food. So I did both. You could visit the pool on the rooftop. Oh, that's awesome. And there was no minimum as of the time that I visited, which typically is not the case in many places in Tulum. For example, I went to Delect Tulum on the beach and there, actually, no, there wasn't a minimum there either, but the prices were much higher. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty frugal myself, so I, I try to avoid that, <laughs> the high rent district. Now, speaking of happy times and good times, where's the happiest happy hour in Tulum? The happiest happy hour, I wouldn't know exactly I, I don't drink, and I know Lee and I talked about this, but I would say probably like anything that you want to enjoy, like on South Beach, like I just mentioned, Delectulum. I know they have activities and experiences, and then also other spots in South Beach, like Asulik. Oh, this comes to mind. This is probably what I would recommend for the happy hour. On Asulik, they have a sunset experience that you can do in one of their huts high above the Mayan jungle with distant views of the beach and then complete views and being immersed in the jungle. And then they have a DJ that spins for their sunset experience. So that's probably what I would recommend, you know, as far as any experiences that stand out that I also heard from at that blonde bikini girl. And there's a number of other places to in and around Tulum that you would love that you would find quote unquote happy experiences that might be, you know, some sort of wellness experience or something like that too. Yeah, that sounds pretty amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm all about trying to find like a, a really good romantic spot when I take my wife places and everything. And that sunset views at, at Azul Leak, I mean, that sounds pretty amazing. So whenever I travel, I know you don't really, you're not really a big fan of pizza, but whenever I travel, I always eat pizza. Do you have any recommendations for the best pepperoni pizza in, in Tulum? Absolutely. So the one that kept coming up everywhere in general was Bocanero Pizzeria and Cerveceria. So for those of you that don't know, Cerveceria means, you know, basically a place where you can also get beer. So it's both pizza and beer. It's on Tulum's Punta Allen Highway. And it comes very highly rated on TripAdvisor. It's like number 12 of, like, of about over 500 restaurants in Tulum. Oh, that's fantastic. That works perfect for me because like whenever I eat pizza, I'm generally having a beer in my hand too. So that works. 
<laughs> and then also one of the reviews that caught my eye because I love bruschetta. They also raved about their bruschetta and they also do have vegetarian pizza. Oh, perfect. There we go. That sounds awesome. Now, I know that like we talked about earlier, you travel all over the world. You have some amazing travel experiences and I, I've been watching you on social media. What's your best travel tip? So my best travel tip is to be open. Be open to the unknown. Be open to just new experiences and new people. I feel like, Lee, I've grown more in these last you know, nine months than I have probably years, if not decades. And what happens now, say in a day or in a week, blows up my brain all the time. And I was even reflecting you know, yesterday that I said, oh my God, I don't even know where I'm staying yet on Friday. And I'm totally okay with that. Whereas a couple months ago, I would have been thinking, okay, no, I have to book the Airbnb or, okay, no, I have to have the press trip already set up now or the digital marketing project. You know what I mean? For sure. And I'm totally peaceful and calm about it. And so that shows me, even when I went into Tulum, I was already planning when I walked into Tulum, I was already, okay, I'm staying here to the end of May. And I already planted the seed with the owner that month that I was going to stay about three months. And I feel like at that point, I needed that quote unquote known factor or that stability factor. Whereas right now, you know, I, I am finishing up the stay right now in Honduras for about three weeks in this place, but I'm going to one to two to three other places in Honduras. And then several other things are up in the air and I'm completely fine with that. Whereas again, three, four, five months ago, that wouldn't have been the case. So like releasing the fear of the unknown and trusting that things will and do work out. And sometimes it's well in advance and sometimes it's last minute. It's awesome to see that the growth, the comfort in the unstructured, you know, that's really awesome. Thank you. It's blowing my mind up. <laughs> Katrina, again, thanks for coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. Can you tell the audience a little about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. And thank you for having me, Lee. I love what you're doing. And I love that, you know, We Travel There is focusing on so many destinations all around the world and inspiring people to travel and to take risks and get out of their comfort zone. So I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur, athlete, creator, and CEO of Fit Life Creation, an all-in-one lifestyle brand. And I love to create a life and business and community I love and help others do the same. I've now traveled to 30 countries. I love to help people create it. And basically when I say create it, I mean create it, a limitless life they love. Oh, that sounds so amazing. And hopefully uh, your story will inspire a lot of others as well. Thank you. A lot of people have inspired me along the way, just like you, Lee. For sure. So if somebody has questions about Fit Life Creation or about Tulum or any of the other destinations that you travel to, what's the best way for them to reach you on social media? So on social media specifically, I'm always at Katrina Julia Fit, like on uh, Instagram and pretty much on all channels, Katrina Julia or Katrina Julia Fit. And they can find all the channels at fitlifecreation.com, including blogs and shows on all these destinations. Well, perfect. We'll include links to all that in the show notes. And again, thanks for coming on the show. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Thank you so much, Lee. So loved being on. What a fun conversation with Cortina. I've been to Mexico numerous times, but haven't been to Tulum yet. I can't wait to visit someday. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash Tulum. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate partner of today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs, so that way you can save your free while traveling. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks 
and use the promo code LEAD to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to Sydney, Australia to speak with my new friend Linda King of thesmarttravelista.com. In this episode, Linda and I talk about having a drink at the Sydney Opera House, shopping at the weekend markets at the Rocks, and taking a ferry to the Taronga Zoo. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app that we don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.